Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello guys, welcome to Finding Annie. I am reporting live from the rave shed at the end of the garden on a very sunny, beautiful Thursday morning. Just had a jog, so I'm high on endorphins and um, I'm buzzing, 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 buzzing from this podcast and all the reactions we're getting from it. Thank you to everyone listening and getting in touch about it. Uh, let's start by um, going backwards to the Sharon Horgan episode last week, the fame game. Um I asked you guys to send me some fun encounters you've had with celebrities off the back of last week's fame theme. Shout out to Lily, who told me about um, having to sit in a airport security room with Paul Weller while she got her bag checked and a kind of strange encounter where Paul Weller ended up helping her pack her bag and like wrapping her GHD wires around her, around her uh, GHDs and like zipping her toiletries into her bag and how she'll never forget how surreal that was. And then also shout outs to Matthew Broadbent, who talked about um, losing his Sonar Festival ticket um, in Barcelona and like being absolutely heartbroken and sitting on the phone in a kind of cafe crying to his friend about how he wasn't going to be able to get back into Sonar Festival. But he happened to be sitting beside Terry Hall, the lead singer of The Specials, and Terry Hall gave him his tickets, his two AAA tickets to Sonar that he had finished with. And then this guy, Matthew, had the weekend of his life. <laughs> so, yeah, two amazing um, anecdotes there. Thank you to Lily and th- thank you to Matthew. This week, the episode is all about the divine feminine. Um, I want to start by saying if you are moved to contact me about anything that you hear in this episode, please do. The email is findingannimac at gmail.com. And um, yeah, you know, it's a big theme. So let's start it with a memory from my old friend Shauna, who I was lucky enough to live with uh, when I went to Queen's University in Belfast. Shauna is from Derry, as you will hear from her fantastic accent. Take it away, Shauna. Annie, um, at university. God, how long ago was that now? Oh my God, it's like, what age are we now? When was that? That's like, oh God, that's like 21 years ago. We all lived in a big old house together in Belfast, six girls um, for a year. And then one of the girls moved out and one of the, our friends moved in, a boy, the only boy. Um, all the girl, we weren't very girly girls. Uh, Annie, you um, in particular, probably really grungy. Um, all Saints were all in then and uh, we all had our kind of combats and vest tops and tank tops and trainers uh, I think in a house of six girls we didn't possess a pair of high heels between us um, yeah so it was uh, there was no straighteners or HD things going on in our house anyway um, it was all very grungy and uh, I think Annie you kind of did that best in fairness that grungy thing yeah it was fun it was um, fun. And then we got, yeah, our first guy come into the house then, didn't they? Uh, one of the girls went away to France and in came our friend. 
and he was the only boy. And I remember you borrowed all his clothes because you liked his kind of combatty look. And um, that was fun. But yeah, you liked hanging around with uh, the guys more and playing poker and that. Whereas uh, the rest of us were just uh, away at a library or whatever, being geeks. But uh, I think you enjoyed your late nights. Um, listening to Van Morrison and doing your poker with all the lads. Thank you to Shauna, my friend from Belfast. Well, she's actually from Derry, as you can tell by the incredible accent. Um, But we live together in Belfast. So thank you to her for reminding me of those poker nights in Belfast with my friends and also of me stealing my friend Malachi's baggy clothes. Um, I then moved from Belfast to Farnborough and did a master's for a year where I moved in with five guys and continued (laughs) continued the poker thing. Lots of late nights playing poker in a smoky haze. I've always been friends with guys. It's always come very easy to me to do that. I have two brothers. Um, when I was growing up in, in our housing estate, I always used to be the girl down the green, playing football with the guys, climbing trees with the guys, all of that stuff. So, yeah, it was pretty natural for me to uh, become a DJ when I started out. I didn't really feel any imposter syndrome for being a lone girl in in a world dominated by guys. It felt quite natural for me. I'm kind of grateful to my parents for letting me just be who I wanted to be and letting me kind of have the freedom to figure out who I was and not kind of getting in the way or trying to condition me in any way when it came to that kind of stuff. Um, I had no dolls. I was really into Sylvanian families, but yeah, not into Barbies or anything like that. Um, And I came really late to everything woman-related, you know, periods, um, that came quite late. Uh, Grooming, glam, manicures, eyebrow shaping, all of that stuff happened much later in my life, kind of late 20s, early 30s. Um, So yeah, the word feminine and and me, I've kind of got a funny relationship with it. Um, and I thought it would be a good thing to explore for this episode. So I've called the episode The Divine Feminine, uh, and it's about what it is to feel feminine and people's different interpretations of it. So femininity obviously can be attributed to any gender. You know, it doesn't have to, you know, it's not exclusively a, you know, a woman thing. You know, a man can be feminine too. Uh, But it's still a challenging word in this day and age when the traditional binary nature of gender is feeling more and more out of date. Um, I was doing a bit of research and I found this girl, Kaya Day, who last year actually wrote to thesaurus.com, which is one of my most used and most loved websites, FYI, uh, to complain about her findings when she looked up masculine and feminine. So when she looked up masculine on the thesaurus, she got loads of words a massive list of words including words such as macho manly beefcake gallant hardy robust strapping and for feminine it was about a quarter of the number of words and it was words like ladylike dainty soft tender womanish Um, She described her findings as almost comical and then sent a list of words to thesaurus.com that she thought could work. So words like compassionate, intuitive, maternal, sensual, empathetic, etc. Equally, I'm sure the lads out there would really appreciate some more nuances in the descriptions of masculinity, like beefcake and hardy is a little uh, narrow. 
I think it's fascinating. Like this, I feel like we could do a whole podcast series on the issue of gender, and I think maybe we'll do some more with this. But I'm becoming more and more fascinated by it, especially as I said, as you know, just these kind of traditional binary rules are kind of disintegrating in front of our eyes and I can imagine just so many people panicking and and being scared of this like people are scared of change you know you know people who love religion it's this idea of the comfort of fixed boundaries and fixed rules and fixed boxes to fit in when those start going away people lose their sense of self Um, and that's why it's so brilliant seeing a kind of new generation of kids being really comfortable with with not being fit into boxes when it comes to gender for me when I think of being a woman and and the kind of attributes of a woman and femininity I just think strength like I I think women are inherently strong Uh, and where is that in the definition of femininity Um, I do think even though our roles are evolving so rapidly the boundaries for how women and men can present themselves in society are still just too narrow they need to change quicker and people need to be able to feel out their way of who they are with no feelings of shame, no feelings of self-doubt. And and this starts when we're kids. My interviewee today is Amanda Lepore. So she is a transgender singer, performance artist and model and someone who was self-proclaimed to be born in the wrong body. She has, from when she was a child, been fixated with the feminine form and has spent her life achieving this for herself um, through extensive plastic surgery and just total dedication to the aesthetic of the classic Hollywood starlets, Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield specifically. Um, her body has kind of become her livelihood over the years, um, specifically when she met the legendary photographer David LaChapelle and became his muse and his feature of some of his most iconic works over the years. She was one of the infamous New York club kids. Uh, this was a kind of group of of kids who were outrageous in their costumes. They were mad, flamboyant kids and they became really known in the New York nightclub scene and kind of took over venues and, and were just this really exciting group of kind of total kind of freak kids who embraced their differences and um, kind of made a thing out of them. They were discovered by a guy called Michael Alec. He was the kind of leader of the crew. And there's an iconic YouTube interview where there are guests on the Joan Rivers show. Um, and Michael was eventually arrested for murdering his roommate and a fellow club kid. And that eventually, and that inspired a feature film starring Macaulay Culkin called Party Monster, which is proper iconic now. Um, so yeah, Amanda had, has had the most colourful and mad life Um and she actually lives in a hotel called Hotel 17, which is where loads of the club kids lived in back in the days. Hotel 17 is in the East Village in Manhattan. And that is where she invited me to meet her and to interview her. Um, so she, her house is basically this tiny hotel room. The sofa is also her bed. When you go in, it's quite kind of overwhelming when you kind of get your bearings and it's quite a small space, but it's really cosy and every single kind of you know, inch is accounted for. The The room is rammed from floor to ceiling with shoes and with clothes um, and and it's just full of character. Amanda never left the club since she started going in the late 80s and she's been making appearances in New York City and around the world as a dancer and a singer ever since. So that's kind of her working job. She dances and she sings in clubs. Um, so I wanted to get to know her and 
most of all, I think I wanted to try and understand the psychology of why she had taken her body to such extremes, why she was so fixated with this feminine ideal. Um, it all became clear at the very end of the conversation and I could not stop thinking about it for ages after. But back to the night in question. When I met her, she had a show later on that night and she was getting ready for her night. So she was showing me this incredibly intricate outfit with like suspenders and pants, a kind of um, brassiere, all embroidered with these beautiful kind of hearts and diamantes that she'd done herself. She makes all the outfits herself. She's so dedicated to her looks. So yeah, let's see what happened. Enter the podcast, Amanda Lepore. Well, thank you for having me in your room, Amanda. Oh, you're welcome. You're it's welcome. such a pleasure thank to you meet for you. Keeping it convenient for me. Oh, such a pleasure. <laughs> um, you've just shown me through. I I'm just trying to think of how many parts there were to that outfit you just showed me. Was well, like six. The pants. The, At least. Yeah, yeah like yeah. that you have hand adorned mm-hmm. with rose uh, with hearts, and this is for one of your shows. Yes. How many shows do you do a week at the moment? How much are you working? Um, I do like one show a week at Barshland Follies at the mm-hmm. McKendrick Hotel. And then I also go away and then do shows. And okay. I also sing too. Like, But like on Friday here, I do just do, well, I do sing there too. Like I'll do one song and do a burlesque number. So yeah, what happens when you do the shows? For people who haven't seen you do the show, what, what goes on? Um, well, I'll do I usually do champagne, that song champagne, and then I'll do like a striptease and then get down to the underwear, but very glamorous. Mm-hmm. And I'll take like a Louboutin lipstick that's really large and jewel it to match the outfits and it's in my pussy. Yeah. And I could keep it like in there, like, you know, like with the muscle. Like. Yeah. So like I Did you have to learn how to do that? I can imagine that's pretty hard. No, I was just bored one night and I did it with another lipstick and then like I just did it was part of the striptease and everything yeah. and then and then i got into it like more and then tried mm. to like get like a bigger one and yeah i tried to do it with like a bigger one that was that um edward best it does you okay. know and it's quite big but it was too heavy yeah you know, when you stone it and everything yeah, yeah, so yeah. like i couldn't keep that and dance mm. but that one i could could you know the libertine one so that's the grand finale as such that's like you pull that out yes at the end i and pull it, it out like, and then i just put crazy. lipstick with us all to the beat you know okay. the burlesque song okay amazing and you have been doing this in clubs like performing in clubs for how many years now would you say um well i started out as a go-go dancer for disco 2000 and then it, i became like kind of popular so like i yeah. um with the kids so so i would um start it turned into hostessing uh. and you would get a little bit more money so it was better but then i became like a model mm. and then i was like more quiet and shy you know like that so i didn't perform yeah like back then and then probably after david LaChapelle discovered me and you know had me go out naked all the time and everything mm. i became more confident because mm. i would get like a really good reaction from the right people yeah so then i think i was out one day and the, this gay rapper caswell uh-huh. said oh i want to write a song for you like and like i'll help you and i want it to be really good and blah 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 and like so i started doing that and then i from Doing this stuff with David, I kind of became internationally known. So, mm. like, I was getting a lot of gigs just, you know, sitting at a table or something and being, like, a spectacle more and yeah. taking pictures with people. Yeah. So then I started 
doing the songs and then Castle did so many songs that it was an album. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got like a manager and then, you know, started like touring with that and everything and that uh-huh. seemed like better because I actually did something. It was like more exciting for me. And I used to just do naked things. I always liked that pin up mm. kind of look, you know, because I was obsessed by Vargas and um Marilyn Monroe and yeah. like all that kind of like vintagey stuff. So I always had sort of that look and everything. And then I got in trouble one time for being totally naked, which I used to always do in New York all the time yeah. with a club because they didn't have the liquor license. And around that time, Dita Von Teague was doing the pasties and things. Yeah. What's and pasty? Would, when you what, like, like the tassel thing? Yeah, on like your you nipples. cover the nipple and you kind of cover up just what you can't cover up you know yeah. like what you can't do legally you yeah know? so um i saw her so i said oh let me do that then i could take my clothes off because it was such a cla- crowd pleaser uh-huh. to take off the clothes because it symbolized freedom and yeah. you know everything yeah. and everyone loved it yeah. so like it was like oh i gotta still take off my clothes so like i started doing that and then i got into doing the outfits and everything as yeah. well yeah and it was like fun and i had like a lot of fun yeah. doing it and now i'm just like doing a total burlesque number now yeah amazing Okay, so where should we start? Dave LaChapelle, you mentioned him. Tell me about what what he did in terms of how he changed your life, if he changed your life. Well, he hired me for like a visionaire diamond thing the first time. Yeah. And he said that he was doing also like a, it was a fashion magazine and he was doing like a plastic surgery story. So I saw him like that weekend and they, he banged those two things out, the one with the sniffing diamonds and the one with the baby and mm. all that and then I just thought it was like a one time thing but he kept on like using me and using me and using me and and like, he was was on, and was like, he, he was like doing really well at that point right like yes he was actually I knew who he was because yeah. there was a VH1 show yeah and he won photographer of the year mm. okay so then he kept using you you said yeah he really liked me because I think like I was like really quiet and I think when I did the thing with the diamonds he had me positioned with like the diamond and this thing and they took a break and I didn't move because he said don't move like that's perfect but he just yeah and he came back and I was still in that position and yeah. he said oh my god you know like <laughs> so so he started you know using me like all the time yeah. and he was like fascinated I don't think he was using me like as like what it seemed like, you know, like, like for f- freak value or anything. I think he actually found me beautiful, yeah. you know, because he would, he was obsessed with like these drawing these girls before he knew me, and they were usually like naked and yeah. in weird situations, you know, and like and they look like me, yeah. you know, with wow. the cheekbones and the lips and the boobs and yeah. everything. So like he um, became like he said, "Oh my god, like you look like these girls I was obsessed with." Wow. drawing so it was sort of like weird in that way yeah i read some somewhere someone called called you a walking sculpture when did you first start like thinking and looking at your body like it could be art um i didn't i mean i just like wanted to be like a pretty girl yeah so um around the time of the fashion stuff like the the art world also yeah became like me and they would like think i was a work of art and everything and i mean it's flattering and everything but like i yeah. didn't really take it seriously yeah you know but people say it all the time so like i guess it's yeah like a 
fact now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about the surgery, which you talk really openly about. When did you get your first bit of work done? Can you remember? Um, I had a nose job first, like hormones and a nose job, like when I was 15. Yeah. And, and who was it that introduced you to the idea that you could, like, get that? kind of thing um i saw talk shows oh, wow. when i was a kid and yeah. like i told my parents that i wanted to do that uh-huh. like when i was like 12 so as soon as like i got my hands on it i just you know the two way you know yeah and that was that was as in transitioning well from that young from 12 you were like i don't want to be in a in well i talked i talked about you know like i thought i was a girl when i was like little yeah you know so like yeah. it like but I didn't really know what it was. It just yeah. felt different. Yeah. And then, you know, when there was, like, differences in school, like, boys were there and the girls were there, I'd go, it would be like, uh-oh, like, you know, yeah. I'm in trouble, you know, help. <laughs> yeah. Did it to myself, sort of. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. but, um, you know, there was never any planning of changing anything. Like, it was just sort of, like, there already mm. from... I was like born that way because I think I mean I don't know but I can imagine it it wasn't nearly as talked about or there wasn't nearly as much awareness at all so how did your parents take it when you said to them what you wanted to do well they were used to me behaving really feminine so it didn't surprise them Mm. you know I hung out with like a uh, like I was kind of like an outcast in like the town and mm. stuff and everything and this other girl was too for being like sleeping with boys and mm. being slutty I guess you know and we became friends because we liked each other's style and stuff and everything and she was prostituting she was 15 as well and she would she was prostituting and like working in a go-go place but mm. like underage mm. and I was making costumes for her and then I would like buy lipsticks and things like that. And she told me that she thought that one of the girls was a transsexual. So And did you know what that was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She knew that I wanted to be like that, you know, like so Mm -hmm. there was no and I would she would let me, you know, borrow her clothes and Mm -hmm. things like that and do Mm -hmm. makeup and would suggest stuff for each other. So it was like we had like a girly relationship you know so then um so she the the girls wanted to buy outfits that i made because i made like these beaded costumes and they had rhinestones and things on them and Mm. and stuff and the one wanted to you know to to buy them as well so i asked her if she would trade hormones and she said yes, as long as I didn't tell my parents. So then I started taking them one summer, and they worked really fast. Like mm. we started getting those knots in the boobs, you know, mm. like when um, in a month. Wow! And they were really sensitive. So I, that summer I had boobs. Wow. So then when I went to, back to school, I decided to just come as a girl, you know, okay. yeah. like because I was just dressing as a girl like all summer and yeah. got treated much better. So, um, and I figured I was getting harassed anyway, so I wouldn't care. So I didn't get bothered, but <laughs> no one said anything. But they did take me to the guidance counselor, and the guidance counselor said that I couldn't okay. go like that. And they asked if I wanted to quit school, and because I was 16 at that, that time. And they um, 
I said that I didn't, that I want, wanted to. So they gave me a private tutor and they said that I had to go to like see a psychiatrist and stuff. And then I told him what I was doing. And then they, he prescribed hormones for me. Oh, great. Okay. So he, so was then I started getting them legally. The psychiatrist. Yes. God, isn't it wonderful? So then I had, like, you had to, then I met like a guy from hair, like after when I was going to hairdressing school and he didn't know or anything, but when his father wanted oh, he to pay was, for my yeah. sex change surgery, you know? Mm. And when I went there, I already had it's like two years of being the psychiatric care oh, and the hormones. So I, got, I could get it right away. My yeah. mother wanted me to wait till I was 21, but then the father legally adopted me and then I was able to just do it. Okay. Because she was schizophrenic, you know, so. Yeah. So the father of the guy that you met, yes. who was your boyfriend. Yes. Yeah. So he he helped your boyfriend. Like, did your boyfriend know what was going on? At the... He didn't know at first. And yeah. I think that's, like, I would go there and they all thought I was a girl. Yeah. The, the mother never found out. Like, they didn't tell her. But then I think that we got in a, like, he I don't know, we would kiss and then I would wear really tight jeans with like a girdle kind of, like so like he didn't know, you know, like, mm. and I would say that it was a virgin, so he seemed to like me more. But then we would kind of do sexual things here and there, like he would want me to play with him, like yeah. after a while, you know. And then one time we were alone and he wanted to just see me naked and kiss and just kiss it and not have sex. So then I had, I had to tell him at that point and he punched the wall and then there was drama, and then I guess the father asked why I wasn't coming around, and then he told them. And then he said, oh, the poor girl, we have to help her and stuff, because they didn't have any idea. So then, and they knew that my mother was schizophrenic because I spent a lot of time over there. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of, he wanted to help me. So are you grateful to him? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Very. After you you went through the surgery, what happened with the with the boyfriend? Did you stay with him or was um, he yeah, he loved it and great and everything. But like he was in a car accident or something, mm. and he had pain, so he, he was like got addicted to codeine, and he would make his father go for like prescriptions, and he would make me go after a while. It got really bad, and he had a bookstore from his aunt who passed away he mm. bought so he worked in a bookstore but we started like fighting and he had like that addiction and the father would feel sorry for me and it, it got like strange because yeah. like i would be crying in the kitchen and the father would come down and then one time he was like holding me and then he started kissing me Oof. and then i started kissing him yeah. and then <laughs> just for like the closeness of it and then it became weird yeah i never slept with him but we mm. sort of had this weird thing of he would visit me when everyone was asleep and I was up. So you spent a lot of time. Strange. You spent a lot of time in that house because your mum, as you said, was, was schizophrenic. So she spent a lot of time away from home. Well, at that, I, a little before my sex change, maybe mm. like a year before that, I started living with them. Okay. And my yeah. mother sold the house and moved to her hometown in Passaic and got like an apartment by herself and mm. she knew that I was with him. Yeah. Did you like him? I was seeing like two guys at the time but he was like a little older and he had a car. Yeah. So I went with him. 
Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> as, as a like teenager, the that's other, the absolute pragmatic like decision. Yeah. The other one better, but yeah. the car and everything was <laughs> very attractive. <laughs> You've got to be practical <laughs> about these. <laughs> <laughs> You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I, I read a story, no, it wasn't reading, I saw an interview with you where you told this story about a nanny that you had and a Barbie doll. Would you tell me the story? Um, well, when my, when my mother would go away and stuff and everything, they started getting nannies to take care of us. And I, my father said that I'd like to play with Barbie dolls. So then she made like all these Barbie doll things to, to try to get my trust because mm. she, you know. Yeah. Like that. And it was really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So you did, you, you loved dressing them and, and. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah I loved it. Yeah. Um, okay. So then you have your sex change. You moved to New York? No, I stayed there for like a while. In but New then Jersey. he started getting abusive. And yeah. then I used to always go for hormone shots and things. And I met someone who was like in the middle, like not a, like kind of getting surgery but not transsexual but like not a guy either or something but did shows or something and he would always invite me to his shows and then I finally told him that I couldn't go because my husband wouldn't let me out of the house and was like abusing me and he said I could stay there like he said oh that's really terrible and blah 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 and I didn't think I didn't think of it that way Mm. so like I started changing them in my mind, you know? Mm. And he was getting abusive and, like, the drugs and then the father. And it was just, like, kind of what I wanted to leave, you know? So I ran away and then went to his house. And then he turned out to be, like, a hustler. Mm. And I would have to get out of the house. So I would go to this coffee shop. And then I met, like, a Marine that was very handsome. And then he started doing like S and M things. With the Marine. Me. The Marine. Okay. Like we would go on dates and it was great at first. Yeah. And then he started doing like these weird S and M things, and I didn't like it, but mm. I had to get out of the house and stuff. And I was doing nails down. Okay. But he said I could make a lot of money working in this dungeon. Oh my goodness. So I went there, and then start got a roommate with this girl that worked there. Who was sort of like a like a lesbian, mm. and I think that she liked me, so it was weird a little bit. But um, 
I did make money from the S&M thing. So I left the Marine because, mm. you know, I was just doing it for free with him. So, so, what, <laughs> so you yeah. were being like a dominatrix. So I started then. being like a dominatrix. So mm. I didn't really like it, but I was able to, you know, get an apartment and yeah. all that. But get I had like a, a depression too, like yeah. from it and stuff and everything. And then I got approached one day for my birthday, like on my birthday, and I, I met a nice normal guy that was going to college or something. And then um, Michael Alec asked me if I what, would dance, you know, from the, yeah. you know, mm. there and stuff and everything. And then um, I started like dancing because I already had like that look, you know. Mm. And all this time you were getting surgery the whole time or how did, how was um, it working then? Because obviously that cost well, money. Well, I already right? had, I got boobs later, mm. like when I was still with my husband. And so, and then I would get lips done and things done. So, like, I was getting fillers, I guess, like yeah. from this plastic surgeon. Yeah. It made a big difference. You kind of had a vision in your head of how, what yeah, shape you I wanted to be. I like that hourglass kind of body. Yeah, yeah. Know? Was there a woman that you that you looked at, like a, a certain woman? Pro- you... Probably Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield and yeah. those kind of girls, you know? Yeah. What does being a woman, like what would you say being a woman means to you? Like womanhood, talking about that. Well, I think it's just more softer and gentler Mm. and using your mind more Mm. and just expressing yourself, you know? Mm. Like it's all like expression to make you feel good, you know? Mm. Like doing your nails and taking care of yourself and that's like more of a feminine kind of a thing and we look for a man for... Strength. Do you not think that you're strong? Because I think you're strong as an ox. My mind, yeah. But like not physically, yeah, no. I see. Mm. Talking about femininity and the idea of femininity, yours is full femininity. You, you, go, you go to town. Why do you think that is? Is there a reason for your kind of outlook on femininity and on womanhood being so, I don't want to say exaggerated, but just, 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 like well i think that i always liked glamour and like fixing yourself up you know then being groomed because my mother was schizophrenic and when she was hospitalized and when she was sick she wouldn't take care of herself she wouldn't do her hair she wouldn't wear makeup and she would like act crazy and then when she got better and she was on medication she would like the lipstick would come she would go to the beauty parlor she would get her hair done she would want to do all those things mm. so i kind of associate it with like healthy Mm. Like a healthy mind. Yeah. And that it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. not a bad thing. Wonderful. What's that like for you when you're when you're out? I mean, obviously you go to you go to clubs and, and, and people are expecting you and 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 wanting to see you and, um, and well after I got famous it became more easier to work in the clubs yeah. because like I was occupied the time would go by because people want pictures. Yeah. And you things. must spend a lot of time taking pictures I with do. people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about outside the clubs? Like you mentioned airports and stuff like that. Um, people recognize me on the street. I don't always wear makeup. Like I like wear just, you know, sunscreen and stuff. And yeah. I wear tight clothes and things, but people recognize me and still want pictures. So yeah. I make sure that I have sunglasses, you know, yeah. to take pictures with them. And um, I mean, it's really nice. I have like a great life. I mean, fortunately, fans and people are really polite and respectful to me mm. you know mm. so like it's um it's great 
being me. You know? Yeah, I mean, in that shop today, when I when I told them I wanted to buy you a gift in this vintage shop, people just lit up when I said your name. Is there a little community around here where you live where everyone knows you and you know them? Like in the it local? wasn't nightclubs, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's sort of like a family. It becomes mm. more. yeah. It's funny with clubs, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. They're, they're all like just lots For of little families. For people that don't fit in like the norm kind yeah. of a thing, you know. And do you find like what, what do your fans say to you in terms of what you've done for them? Um, They'll say that like you've done so much. A lot of people say, oh, you've made me come out, you know, mm. like and, and stuff. And um, they, I think that they just admire the, um, to be yourself, like a symbol of be, you know, that you can be yourself and be successful you mm. know that it's not like it's a good thing mm. you know mm. and as the years go by are you finding that you are becoming like th- there's a kind of legacy that you are leaving behind you you know sometimes life yeah. goes fast mm-hmm. and then sometimes you're like okay people are talking about me like I've, you know you're one of the first people to come out and and be proud about being uh-huh. transgender and all that are you aware of that yeah Legacy. I mean, I don't take any of it seriously. Yeah. You know, but but I realize that, you know, mm. but I don't think about it really. Mm. You know, I'm more concerned with just going to work and doing things, you know? Do you ever take a holiday? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know so. <laughs> what do you think about the kind of state of play in America right now? In terms of having, I don't want to get, I'm not going to get all political and deep, but having Donald Trump as president, what he represents for um, people like, on the margins. Everyone hates him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't think that he's good. I mean, there's more and more shocking things that you hear just from Instagram, you know, like the, like one of them that was really sad was a trans girl, like that was a sex change in the army and she had her surgery when she was in the army and she had to fix complications and the government was paying for the surgery and Mm. then when Trump went on he denied her and she got fired too for like the military thing so Mm. really fucked up her life and Mm. she's like a sweet beautiful girl Mm. you know Mm. yeah yeah so like he's not good for you know alternative people you know mm-hmm. good people so like I don't know and they both have really bad hair <laughs> <laughs> I mean I can't get over Donald like, needs Lorenzo in his life yes I think that the wife I don't know her name but Mel- Melania is it the Melania? wigs are really bad <laughs> really 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 bad and you could tell that a gay guy does not do them <laughs> Or if he does, I don't know what's going on, but they're really bad. Like a gag when I see it. <laughs> right, Amanda, you're going out tonight. You're yes. going to do the show. Yes. Are you ready? Do you have to do more stuff? Yeah, I, have I mean, to you look. Out, I have in... to figure out what I'm going to wear. I'm just doing a fitting for a fashion show. Okay. You know that I'm doing on Thursday, so. I'm just kind of in my nightgown. Yeah. But ready, but I have to just figure out something to wear. Okay. After the fitting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you do that. Okay. Get out of your your room. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's hot. It is hot, yeah.
It was so interesting to get a glimpse into this bubble of Amanda Lepore's life that night in New York City. Um, it was hard not to go up, actually, as she so casually laid out the events of her life and the trauma and the, and the abuse that she suffered over the years. But for me, it was the end of her life that I found the most kind of heart-wrenching, seeing her as this confused kid clinging on to her mother's happiness. Um, she's immensely brave, I think, and in my research about her, there's such an outpouring of love for her from transgender people because of her very existence, promoting this idea of being yourself and being what you need to be to get through life, you know. And uh, I'm glad that she exists in this world because she is a kind of manifestation of, of what I was talking about at the start of just live and let live. Let people figure out who they are for themselves. Let them exist in the skin and the body they want to exist in and fuck the haters <laughs> okay on next week's show we talk about uh, ambition specifically uh, uh, one year of my life I spent a probably from when I left university so from when I was about 20 to I was about 24 um, doing everything I could to, to get into the walls of Radio 1 and, and in front of the mic as a DJ. So those four years were hugely important to me. And I remember lots about those four years because so many big, uh, you know, se seismic things happened to me in those four years. But one year in particular feels kind of zoomed in for me in terms of the memories that I have of it. And it's the year that I worked on um, the evening show on Radio 1 and the year that I became a DJ. Um, the guest on my show next week is a man called Zane Lowe. He is a renowned DJ, broadcaster, and now got a huge, very flossy job at Apple Music where he is global creative director for them. Um, he is an old friend and an old colleague and I was delighted to get him into a studio in London for an hour um, where we reminisced and talked about that one special year um, and talked about his life as a DJ and his kind of path when it comes to ambition over the years. So this is another thing we, we'd spent ages crafting is the opening, yeah. like the intro, which was just a heartbeat. Oh heartbeat. my God, how pretentious. It's so beautiful looking back it's on it. It's brilliant. And then the show ended with the flatline and Joe told me this morning, <laughs> that, Joe told me this morning that John Peel at the time was like, oh, great that uh, radio's dying just before my show. <laughs> looking back, it's so disrespectful. Like, oh, we just, we just killed the I air. I never thought about it from that me perspective. And, and we didn't because we were so self-obsessed. There you go, Zane Lowe. I can't wait for you to hear the full conversation next week on Finding Annie and um, I'll see you then. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.